So today I'm going to talk about something that we don't talk about a lot in this church. And I say that because I'm sure there are visitors here, and I don't want you to think that, oh, this is one of those churches, and they're going to talk about money. Yes, I'm going to talk about money today. Um, and it's good news. I promise I'm going to give you some principles from God's Word that are going to help you to live well in your financial life, assuming that you elect to follow these principles. Now, I'm not Dave Ramsey, so I'm not going to go into gritty detail about how you can rework your finances. These are biblical principles uh, that are available to you. And if you'll begin to make adjustments in your life in accordance with these principles, you're going to see a transformation in your financial life. Um, these principles are actually very simple, and you may think you already know them, but the Bible is very clear. You don't get blessed when you know it. You get blessed when you do it. Amen? Jesus said, you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So we've got to practice uh, this teaching. We've got to practice the preaching. And, you know, we're facing some challenging times right now. Inflation uh, has gone up in the last year more than it has since really 1982, uh, when we were in the wake of uh, a terrible time of inflation, when uh, interest rates were going through the roof and so forth. I remember those times. I was just starting out uh, as an adult back then. And uh, it was certainly, if you were to buy a house back then, it would certainly have been very challenging. The interest rate got all the way up to 20%, all right? So I won't ask you to divulge your personal information. But if you have a mortgage, what's the interest rate on your mortgage? Bet it's not 20%. All right. That's credit card interest, but that's how crazy it got. And so, you know, it's obvious that when there are challenges like that, that we're facing, um, that we need to, uh, to have a better handle on what to do with our finances. Um, and God's word is going to give us that, uh, that handle. Um, because in addition to that, I mean, you know, obviously you go to the gas pump just like I do. And um, yeah, gas prices have just skyrocketed, haven't they? In fact, it seems like literally every day they jump 20 cents. And it's because all of these, uh, they're always trying to stay ahead of where they think the prices are going. So the, the price for barrel is already high, but then the United States is going to uh, refuse to receive any Russian oil uh, and gas, which is completely understandable. And so these folks are trying to get out ahead of the curve. And so that's why they just keep punching it, punching it, punching it. Well, I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to make political statements up here and jump up and down and holler and scream and tell the government what they need to do. But I can tell us what we can do, no matter what the financial picture looks like out there, we can, uh, we can follow God's word. Um, so what I want you to do, if you, uh, th this is what the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app looks like when you get to our notes right here, okay? Now, if you guys are not using this, I'm not going to put this in there every week. I was doing this for a while in 2017, but it's just a really great way because you can go to each of these statements that I'm going to make, and right here, I'm going to give you the first one. There's number one, and it has a place where you can add notes, and you just click add notes, and you type it right in there, and then you can click save. So we were telling you before, take a picture of your bulletin and then you'll have, this saves it in your Bible app. And then you can go back and look at it again. So I really, really want to encourage you guys, um, what you write down, you'll remember. What you listen to, literally, you might, you might remember 10% of what I say today. 
But if you write it down, you'll remember it. And further, you can go back because you have a recording of it. Now, if you're old school, you know, you can write it in the bulletin and, and there is a follow along there. And if you're a visual learner, the notes will be up here as well. You see, I don't want you to just listen to me and be entertained. I'm really not that entertaining. I, w- <laughs> I want you to listen and I want you to learn because I want you to be blessed. This series that we've been going through for the last four weeks is just called Live Well. It goes along with the, the name of our church, Life Well, okay? Our motto uh, is love well, live well, life well. And so we did a six-week series on love at the beginning of the year, concluding with uh, Valentine's weekend. And we've done this four-week series in just different areas of your life, your physical life. You need to offer up your body as a living sacrifice to God. You need to be healthy. Um, your, Your mental life, your thought life, that needs to be healthy. Your emotional life, that needs to be healthy. And you can go to YouTube to our channel, uh, it's youtube.com slash Dioral. That's my weird name for my first name, D-E-O-R-L. It's on my license plate and all that other stuff. But it's, that's the easiest way to do it. Or just look up Daryl Hall, Lifeful Church. We also podcast. Um, thankfully, uh, Lige has got us on every major podcasting outlet. So if you use Apple, if you use Spotify, whatever you use. And Spotify did not pay me $100 million either. Oh, you guys don't know what's going on out there, do you? All right. They paid Joe Rogan over $100 million to move his Spotify there. But see, I don't have 11 million listeners per episode. I might have two or three. Um, But if you will, you know, choose to get on the podcast, then you'll get all the teaching. You can't, some of you live really far away. I know that you drive in like 20, 30, 40 minutes to get here. You can't be here on Wednesday, but you can get this teaching that we've got going through 1 Corinthians. All you got to do, subscribe to the podcast. And Lige has high quality audio there. And if you watch it, if you go Spotify, you can see the video version of it as well. So we're trying to get this out there and make it available to you because I want this to be something valuable to you. And this is why I also wanted to put these notes on YouVersion app. Um, Really, if you don't have this app, you need to put it on your phone. This is multiple translations. It's free and it's easy to just look stuff up. And there are there are opportunities for you to uh, to do Bible readings. It might be a, a you know a one week series. It could be an entire year, but it keeps you in the Word. All right. So with that in mind, um, the first thing that I want to relate to you from God's word is that God promised his people that he would give them the ability to create wealth. Now, I want you to understand something. Money is actually artificial. You realize that, right? Money is an artificial valuation. We're the ones that create value. So this is why uh, there are cars out there, vehicles, SUVs, whatever. I'm looking at vehicles right now because my lease is fixing to expire on my truck. So I'm looking at all these different options. um, And there are vehicles out there that are very sought after. And as the result of that, because many people want that vehicle, they're jacking the price up. Why? Because they can get that. The manufacturer says, this is the manufacturer's suggested retail price for this vehicle. Well, when dealers are really trying to move vehicles off their lot and not a lot of people are buying, they will sell it to you for less than the MSRP. But guess what? There's a whole lot of vehicles right now that they're selling for 15 to 20% above the sticker. That's just nuts. But that illustrates what I'm trying to say. We create the value. Okay, so for instance, there is a, a vehicle that's very sought after, apparently, I watched a video on this, called the Kia Telluride. Uh, maybe some of you, one of you, two of you, I think somebody in our church has one. Um, but it's so sought after right now that it is selling for 20%, if you can get it, right? 
You order it and got to wait, and it's selling for 20% over the sticker price. Housing market, same thing. Houses that were selling for oh, $150,000 two years ago are now selling for $250,000 or $300,000. Why? Demand, demand, demand. Everybody wants, wants, wants. Why? Because we all got free money from the government. Remember those times? Fun times. Nothing's free. If they wouldn't have given us all that money, the inflation probably wouldn't be nearly as high. Now, if you're thinking, it's, well, it's this president versus the other one, the other president wanted to give away free money too, and it would have resulted in the same thing. I don't know about the oil and gas, because he was more pro-oil and gas. But nonetheless, we create the value, right? That's what we do. And when you work, you create value. You're doing something of value. When you don't work, no value, right? We're going to get to that. But... Um, the scripture that I have, and the beauty is, again, if you're in the, in the Bible app, you just go to this, um, is Deuteronomy 8.18. And in case this fails, that's why I have a paper version of my notes and I have a real Bible up here, okay? Um, but this is what uh, Moses said to the people of Israel as they were preparing to enter the promised land. He said, you shall remember the Lord your God, Yahweh your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth the ability to create wealth. Why? So that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. I don't think God wants you to be struggling. Now, I can't promise you that God wants you to be rich. I think rich people, uh, you know, there are rich people that they worship their money. There are rich people that give away more money than I make. So, it's not a matter of whether you're rich or you're not rich. It's a matter of whether you can handle that. It's a lot of, wealth is a lot of responsibility, all right? But I do believe that God wants you to be able to meet your obligations, that God wants you to be able to prosper and to be in health. And I'm not a health, wealth, gospel preacher, but I don't think God wants you sick and poor. I just really don't. And I think if we follow the principles in God's word, we're going to find out that we are healthy. We're going to find out that we have enough so that not only can we make it, but we can also give. And I know people in this church who don't make a lot of money and they're still givers. So you can say, well, when I make more money, I'll give. No, you won't. You're going to do what you're doing right now. If you're a giver right now, then when you make more money, you're going to be a giver. If you're not a giver right now, when you make more money, you're not going to be a giver. It's just what you decide to do with what you have. Remember that story that Jesus told? Uh, well, actually, it's, it's an observation. It was a historical in incident. Jesus was sitting by the treasury in the temple, and he watched all these people coming in and giving money. And apparently, they had like these big uh, fluted receptacles. It kind of looked like a trumpet. Okay, I said fluted. It's really a trumpeted receptacle. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, but... <laughs> Apparently, the really rich folks would come in and they would take their denarius, right? That's a day's wage. So I don't know, what do you get paid for working for one day? Well, there's a lot of need for substitutes right now and they're paying them about $100 a day, all right? So let's just say it's worth $100. So somebody's coming in and they have a coin worth 100 bucks. And what they would do is they would flip it into that trumpet so that it would hit and rattle around and rattle around and make lots and lots of noise as it was going down because they wanted everybody to know, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm giving, I'm giving the big bucks. I'm giving the denarius, right? And flip it in there. And Jesus saw this little old woman come in and she dropped a couple of little copper coins in and then she just went on her way. And he said, stop, hold it, wait. See that woman right there? She, dro she dropped in a few leptons. It needs to be like worth a penny or less. 
And Jesus said, that woman right there gave more than any of these others. Why? Because she gave what she had to live on. Listen, if you have $1,000 in your wallet, all right, and if you can afford to carry $1,000 in your wallet, then you obviously either don't have a bank account, you don't worry about getting robbed, right? Or you can throw money away. But if you have $1,000 in your wallet and you give somebody $10, that's nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that the person's not going to be thankful if they need $10. But the point is, Jesus is looking for you to get the blessing. You get the blessing when you give. And we'll get to that, all right? But you have the ability to create wealth. So number two, we must work to make that a reality, right? Creating wealth is not creating some sort of a scam or a scheme. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of labor, right? Uh, I watched a, a, uh, an interview. I mentioned Joe Rogan, so it was Joe Rogan interviewing this guy. Um, they give snippets of his stuff on YouTube, and I cannot you know, tell you to listen to this guy. He's got a, a terrible mouth, um, and I don't agree with all of his values or anything like that, but he's an interesting character. Apparently, he's going to have Donald Trump on, which is going to break the internet. It probably will literally break the internet. <laughs> And there are people in this country that will be pulling out their hair and screaming and who knows what. I think it's going to be really fascinating. I don't know that I'm going to watch the interview. I just want to see what happens, right? <laughs> you have these two incendiary characters and everybody's going to be like, oh, I've got to subscribe to Joe Rogan. Trump is going to be on. All right. But in any event, um, Joe Rogan was interviewing this guy named uh, Mr. Beast. Those of you that are on YouTube, have you heard of Mr. Beast? Okay, this guy has 200 million followers. I said 200 million followers. I have like 200. And they watch my video for, yeah, it's wonderful. I'm glad you're watching on YouTube, but I know how, how long you watch. I'm not impressed. <laughs> we got an hour and 20 minute service. You know what the average watch time is? 21 minutes. Anyway, but Mr. Beast, okay, so this is a young guy, and when I first started seeing his videos promoted, I was like, what? Why is, I don't get it, right? Because it's just like weird random stuff, like all these, these guys, he bought an island. I thought, well, first of all, you look really young. How did you get the money to buy an island? Oh, wait a minute. He makes a lot of money on YouTube. That's how he got the money. He bought an island, and then they all got on the island, and it was like uh, the last one to leave got to keep the island right? He has stuff like that all the time. Or he had a Lamborghini and they all had to put their hand on the Lamborghini. The last one to take their hand off the Lamborghini won it. Like, and he does stuff like that, right? He gets all these quote unquote influencers, you know, all the influencers, right? That just means that they're young people that are pretty and have a lot of people listening to them. And so they've got a lot of followers. Well, he gets them all at this sports stadium and they play a giant game of hide and seek, right? This is what he does. But it was interesting to hear him interviewed because he started on YouTube and he's 23 now. So he started on YouTube 12 years ago. Go back 12 years. YouTube was not a big thing 12 years ago, right? Not what it is now. And so when he started on YouTube, he was just a little kid and he was fascinated by it, but he wasn't interested in school. Now, guys, I'm not trying to advocate for you to not be interested in school. I'm trying to help you to understand that work may mean something other than what we have considered it, right? This guy was totally caught up with the whole YouTube thing. His mom was frustrated because he was a pretty smart kid, but he just wasn't doing his homework and what he needed to do. But he kept on it and kept on it with YouTube. So by the time he's like 13 or 14, he's Skyping with these other uh, 
young YouTubers, and they're talking about how they can get more people to watch. How do they make the, you know, the, 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 the screen look better and the editing look better? And, you know, how many cuts do there need to be? And, you know, what does the image need to look like that people watch? And he was just talking about, he's doing this and he's like 13, 14, 15 years old is when he was doing it. And he said, literally, they would Skype and talk all day about YouTube. Now, to you and me, that may seem like it's just wasting time. No, this guy's trying to figure out a way to get people to watch. Guess what? When people watch, you make money. This kid is 23 years old, and he's a millionaire, and he works. He's 23, and he has 100 employees that work for him, and all they do is YouTube, and they translate it into different languages now. He was showing the Portuguese, and he was showing the Spanish, and you know, and he said they're, they're, they're talking to somebody in Japan. Uh, he got all this feedback because apparently the person who did his voice voiceover in Spanish is the same guy, uh, the same voice actor that did the voiceover for Tom Holland in the Spider-Man. So people are like, you're Spider-Man? What's going on? the little kids watching this, right? But he's just, he's a kid, but he's smart. He's working. He's busting his tail. He's not just sitting there watching YouTube. He's trying to figure out a way to create something. Now, he also gives. He has a foundation and he gives a lot of money away. And he's, you know, Rogan was asking him, you know, what do you do with all this money? He doesn't spend it on cars. He doesn't spend it on mansions. He said he only recently moved out of a duplex because he needed more security because everybody knows him now. So he had to move into a better house that, you know, he could put, I guess I'm assuming like a gate around or something so that he would have security. But he doesn't drive a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or anything like that. He drives a Tesla and, you know, he's, he's energy conscious and, you know, believes that he needs to get off of gas and he's trying to be a good example and all that. Whether you agree with that or not is irrelevant. This is a kid, and I'm saying 23, you know, those of you that are younger, I'm old, all right? I'm officially old as a Friday. Um, <laughs> it's true. But I, I admire that kind of work ethic. See, it's not just that. I'm using that as an example, but there's a lot of different things that you can do to create value, to work. And so that's what I want you to understand. God wants to give you that ability, but it's not going to happen unless you decide to work. You have to work to make wealth a reality. Listen to this from Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Do you know what a sluggard is? As somebody that does this, I'm just not interested in doing anything. I'm just lazy. That's a sluggard, all right? Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. We should help people who are in need. We really, really should. But what if people don't want to work? They just won't. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, the apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Well, you know, I can afford to lose a few pounds, so I can understand that. Um, uh, Jesus said a worker or a workman is worthy of his wage. So there are those two principles. If you work, you deserve to be paid and you should be paid what you're worth. Not what somebody thinks you're worth, but what you're worth. What are you creating? What kind of value are you creating? If you're working for somebody and you're helping them make money, then they need to share the wealth. They need to pay you for what you do, right? Um, Number three, money is a great servant, but a terrible God. 
There's a lot of people, even people that don't have money, that worship money. And money is a terrible God. This is what happens to people many times when they become suddenly wealthy is they keep looking to their money and they want to invest and reinvest and make it you know, increase, which is fine until it just absorbs you and takes your entire uh, time, uh, you know, time that you should be spending with your family, time that you could be spending learning God's word and, and growing. And uh, you know, there are ways that you could invest your money that would result in eternal dividends, not just earthly dividends. Listen to what uh, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 24. Remember, money is a great servant, but a terrible God. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And here's the phrase, you cannot serve God and money. You need to serve God and use money, amen? Not serve money and use God as a genie to get you more money, okay? And then you probably heard the phrase out of this one, but I'm going to read the whole thing so you get it. Uh, all of these have been from the English Standard Version. This is the uh, Christian Standard Bible, which I can highly recommend, by the way. It's a very good translation. The Apostle Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So what you've probably heard is money is a root to, money is the root to all evil, but that's not what it says. Money is a root to all sorts of evil. It is the root people seeking after money and coveting it can result in many, many evils. So money is a great servant and a terrible God. You need money in our culture, in our society, in our world to get by. We need money to turn these lights on. We need uh, you know, money to pay the rent on this building. I've got to get paid. You've got to get paid. We have to have money to get by. We just don't want to worship money. Number four, worship means offering my first and my best to God. Now, that may seem like a principle that's not related to money. But since money is a measure of value, then your money reflects your worship. Oh, you might ought to add the extra note and write that one down. Your money reflects, what do you do with your money? You say, well, I pay my bills. But wait, you obligated yourself to have those bills, right? I, I mean, I did. I, I leased this truck that I have that I've been driving for the last nearly three years. And uh, I got a good deal on it. And uh, as the result of that, um, it is now worth about $12,000 more than I can buy the lease out for which is crazy because normally with a lease, you're paying so little on the vehicle that you don't have any residual, which means you don't have any value. So I'm going to do one of two things with my truck. I'm either going to buy the lease out and I'm going to drive it until I sell it, or I'm going to go to one of these dealers and I'm going to sell it. Now, they're not going to give me that much money for it, but I'm still going to get money out of it, right? Rather than continuing to drive it because it's a cool truck, it is a cool truck, but it's got money in it, right? It's got green in it, and I want the green out of it so that I can go and get something that gets better gas mileage because this is a great truck. But do you drive a truck? How many of you drive a truck? Yeah, terrible gas mileage, right? I mean, the newer trucks, you know, they do all these crazy things. I rode with somebody that had a, uh, a newer Ford F-150, and we drove down to Waco. And he said, yeah, the engine just like shuts off down to like four cylinders. And, you know, like his truck can get like 18, 20 miles to the gallon, and it's a full V8. No, mine doesn't. Mine gets about 13. And those of you that have been going to the pump like me, 
Yeah, so I need something that's cheaper on gas because who knows what gas is going to go to, and I want to get that money out of there, right? Um, But when I get money, what am I doing with it? Because whatever I do with my money tells you what I value. Well, I'm not going to spend a house payment on a vehicle. There's some people that that's just, they just want to be driving the coolest thing out there. Um, and so they're basically paying a house payment on their vehicle. I, I just think that that's unwise. Now, maybe you have just a ton of money and you can do that. You can justify that. I certainly can't justify that. I got this vehicle because it gives me the ability to pay it and then have money to do other things because I want to have money to be able to do other things and not just be paying bills. So what am I trying to say? I obligated myself when I bought that truck to pay it for three years. So when you say, well, I just pay my bills, you have made certain obligations. Now, this is where those of you that may be having financial struggles need to tap into Dave Ramsey because what he's going to do is he's going to tell you, cut up all your credit cards, get out of debt altogether. And I would agree, get out of debt. and We're going to get there, right? Um, the only thing that you should be paying money on is your house payment, all right? Ramsey would say you shouldn't even be paying a car payment. I'm sorry, Ramsey, I'm going to go ahead and lease a vehicle because then I can just give it to him and tell him to fix it, all right? That's just what I do. Um, listen to what it says in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 about worship, meaning offering your money or your increase to God. Back then, they didn't use money. It was their crops, right? Their crops, their herds, their agrarian culture. But you can figure it out from what this says. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So I need to look to invest my money in the Lord's kingdom enterprises before I look to buy myself another car or another piece of computer equipment or whatever it is that I'm tempted to buy, all right? Um, So in order to keep from worshiping money, right? In order to make sure that we're using our money to worship God, then we must learn to tithe. Have you heard this term, tithe? Okay, this is not a scam that we preachers came up with. The tithe goes all the way back before the law in the Old Testament. In fact, you have Abraham, remember Abraham, the father of faith, tithing 10% of his increase to a fellow named Melchizedek, who was a priest of the Most High God. That's the only way that he's identified. But uh, Abraham had won a great battle that he was fighting And as a result, he got a lot of spoil from the battle, and he gave 10% of that to Melchizedek. The first thing, Abraham is a long time before the law, right? Moses and the law comes much later. Now, in the law, it's prescribed. You bring the first fruits. You bring your first and your best to the Lord. That's what you do. When you get in the land, that's what you're supposed to do. That's the land of promise that they have, right? So in order for us to stay away from worshiping money, we've got to learn to tithe, which is to give uh, the first 10% of our income to God. And, you know, people want to get uh, real strict about this and say, well, okay, what does that mean? You tithe on your gross or do you tithe on your net? I'm going to make it easy for you. Tithe on your gross. And then when you get your income tax back, you don't have to tithe on that because you already did. Tithe on your, uh, tithe on your net. When you get your income tax refund back, then tithe on that. Is it that simple? It's actually that simple. Listen to what it says in Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That's the full 10%. That there may be food in my house 
and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. By the way, this is the only time God says, test me. God says, I want you to test me in this. You say, 10% of my money, you don't know what my bills are. Listen, I'm just trying to give you these principles from God's word. You're, you're going to have to do the deal with God and work it out. What I've told people before is if you're in a place where you just do not believe you can tithe, then start with 5%. Start with 2%, right? Start with something you will do every single time you get a check and do it religiously, pardon the pun, okay? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you. That's a big benefit, by the way. The devourer, what's the devourer? Well, right now, inflation is a devourer. Car breakdowns are a devourer. You know, uh, problems with your house, that's the devourer. All of these unplanned for payments, health issues, that's the devourer. The Lord promises, he promises in his word to rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts, right? So that's a principle. It's not the only principle. Hopefully you're paying attention to these. God wants you to be able to create wealth. In order to do that, you're going to have to work. You need to realize that money is a great servant, but it is a terrible God. If we're gonna keep from worshiping money, and we are worshiping with our money, but if we're gonna keep from worshiping money, we need to learn to tithe, and that's the beginning. Number six, God promises to bless your finances in accordance with your giving. Are you a tither or are you a tipper? Well, are you? The tither is saying, here's my first 10%, boom, that goes in. A tipper is like, well, you know, I don't know, maybe you tip really well. Okay, we've got plenty of you in the service industry here, and if you go and partake of their services, they know whether you tip well. Um, I do tip well. I tip more than 10% almost always. If the server is mediocre, I might tip 10%, but I almost always tip 20 to 25% or more right? So, but when I'm saying a tipper instead of a tither, I typically mean somebody that's just going to flip a coin or a buck or two into the offering bag, and then that's it. You're going to be blessed in accordance with how you give, right? Listen to what it says. This is Jesus again, teaching in uh, Luke, and this is chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now, does that make any sense? You just need to think about how they would receive something like grain, okay? And I guess maybe the best way for us today is, uh, how many of you eat cereal? You eat cereal? Okay. You ever get the box of cereal and you open it and you're like, man, there's none in here. And then you read that little phrase at the bottom. It says, some settling may have occurred, right? Because there's air between all of those pieces of, of puffed grain that are in your cereal, right? And so in tra transit, it, it shakes and, and it shakes it down and it shakes it down and it makes it so that there's now room at the top of the box, well, that means you could pour more cereal in. Well, no, they're, they're doing it by weight. But God says, I'm going to give so much to you that it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, right, and running over into your lap. So whatever your receptacle is, you're receiving from the Lord. And he says, now we're going to press it down so there's no space between them, and we're going to shake it together. And then I'm going to keep pouring until it runs over out into your lap, right? Now, here's the point uh, that I make in number six 
uh, that God promises to bless your finances in accordance with how much you give or how you, you give. He says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you measure your, tea, your giving with a teaspoon, then God's going to measure his blessing to you with a teaspoon. If you measure your blessing, uh, you know, your giving, that is, with a, you know, a large scoop, then God's going to give that large scoop of blessing back. That's what this scripture teaches. Number seven, this goes all the way back to the first one that I taught you guys uh, on your physical life. Everything accumulates over time, right? I like to say everything accumulates over time, fatness or fitness. I'm carrying around my pandemic pounds right here. This is great. Do y'all remember how skinny I used to be? Yeah, everything accumulates over time. That's exactly right. All that cheesecake and intrinsic is caught up with me. Um, But this happens, this, this exact same principle applies to wealth. Everything accumulates over time, wealth or debt. You can get deeper and deeper and deeper in debt, or you can get more and more and more wealthy. It just depends on what you're doing. Right? I don't have a scripture for that because it just should make sense to you. All right? Now, I do have a scripture for this next one. This is number seven. Debt is slavery. Say that. Debt is slavery. It really is. Listen to what the proverb says. Uh, Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Wow. Now, here's where we get caught up. We get sold these goods we think we need certain things that we don't really need. What you have is an incredible desire for that thing. And you look and you say, well, I can put that on the credit card. Okay, a credit card is not money. You do realize this, right? You're putting yourself in the hole. Now, I have a bunch of credit cards now, and I did not have them for a while. I'll give a little testimony on that if I have time. But I pay them all off every single month because credit card interest is usury. It is slavery to those credit card companies. And they are unscrupulous about collecting that debt. You think if you get bad credit, it'll roll off the credit bureaus in seven years. I can give you personal testimony that no, it will not. They find ways to keep it on there, right? Um, I had been leasing from Nissan from 2000, excuse me, from 1999 until 2015. And then suddenly they weren't going to give me a good deal on the lease. So I'm like, you know what? You don't have anything that I want that much. So I got some money out of my annuity because then I'll be paying myself back and I'll be paying myself interest. And I bought a vehicle and then I bought another vehicle, drove ride share for about a year and a half and so forth. Okay, you say, well, why didn't you stay in that situation? I have no idea. I'm an idiot. Let's just put it that way, right? <laughs> I know these principles. It just shows that I don't always follow these principles. What I did is I ended up having so much pride. I went back to Nissan in 2016 and got them to lease me a Maxima, and it was not even a very good rate. It was okay, but not great. But I had to prove something to myself. So then I was a slave to that car, cool car, slave to that car for three years because debt is slavery, right? But, you know, the whole Ramsey thing is get out of debt and stay out of debt and don't have credit cards. Here's the interesting thing. And this is something, in fact, uh, uh, that... uh, I was uh, tuned into uh, by my friend Edgar right here. 
um, your credit rating goes up in accordance with how much credit you have versus how much you're using. Well, see, I Dave Ramsey'd it from 2001 all the way up until 2015, 16. And then I had some old junk that was still sitting on my, uh, on my credit from back then that they refused to roll off. So I went to buy a car. I thought, I'm just going to go away from Nissan. I'm, I'm going over here. I'm going to go buy a Toyota. And the guy said, no, you have this, this, and this on here. And then I looked at my credit rating for the first time that I'd looked at it in like 12 years, more than that. And it was abysmally low. And it wasn't because I was not paying my bills. It's because I just didn't have any credit. I had one card and it was a corporate card and it wasn't going on my credit. So as the result, I was like, man, what is going on here? Because if you have good credit, you get better interest if you buy a house, if you buy a car, that sort of thing. Um, good credit is not an excuse to go and rack up credit cards. So what I ended up doing is I ended up uh, getting one credit card after another and very, very carefully using them, paying them all off at the end of every month, right? So I'll give you hard figures, okay? After... Uh, 14 years of not using credit at all, my credit rating had dropped to like 624. After two years of using these credit cards wisely and paying them off every single month, my credit rating right now is at 800. So it's a game. Credit out there is a game. The key is you've got to learn to pay this stuff off religiously pay this stuff off and not use it as a buffer for your income. That's what's going to get you in more and more trouble because it's going to put you in deeper and deeper debt slavery to Bank of America and Citibank and Discover and all of these different companies who are charging inordinate usurious, usurious interest. Now, you may have good interest uh, on your credit cards. I've got to go back and get them all to reevaluate them because they still gave me interest on the basis of what my credit rating was before I could get better interest. Since I don't carry a balance, it really doesn't matter that much. It's kind of the principle of the thing. But the point is, even if you have a credit card with good interest, which would be uh, 12, 14% interest, that's still ridiculous. That's too much interest. If you're paying 10 or 12% interest on your car loan, it's too much. Figure out a way to put yourself in a position where you are not a slave to these particular people because the borrower is the slave to the lender. That's what the scripture teaches us, all right? All right, so, uh, and everything accumulates over time, wealth or debt. Debt is slavery. There's only two more. Number nine, learn to live lean, not large. So there used to be that saying, this is probably from the 90s, you know, live in large, live in large. And you, you see all these rap stars and they're like waving money around. And, you know, you got these guys that, you know, sign a, uh, you know, a contract, uh, you know, it's a record contract or an athlete signs a contract and just goes out there and spends money, spends money, spends money. Well, uh, I cannot subscribe to the ethics of various celebrities or athletes, but I will say this, when LeBron James was initially signed as a professional athlete, he was just getting out of high school and he was given a huge contract. Not too long after that, do you know who LeBron James went to for advice? Warren Buffett. Do you know who Warren Buffett is? Yeah, he's one of the richest guys in the world and he made his money by investing. So I don't know whether LeBron James is the goat or not, but I'm gonna tell you he's smart with his money. And I will tell you that there are plenty of people that get a lot of money initially and they just throw it out the window because they got to live large, right? Got to, you know, have this car that, 
you know, is a, a symbol of their prestige and their position and so forth. No, man, what I would say is de-accumulate. Find a way to live more lean. Like your physical body should be more lean and your life should be more lean and you'll be happier as a result, okay? So in the end, number 10, last principle, learn to save rather than spend extra money. I think that all of us, when we got those pandemic checks, right, that free money, we were thinking, what am I gonna go buy? What am I getting? Now, some of you, I know, I know one person in this room told me, no, I just put it in the bank and didn't spend it. And, you know, maybe he hasn't spent it yet. And maybe that was you. You're trying to figure out what to do. Maybe you just got your income tax. Well, what are you doing with that? See, if you're like me, you're looking at the latest Apple product and going, okay, what can I buy now? Because Apple's got a lot of cool products, man. They really do. Yes, I do have an iPhone 13 up here, so be quiet. All right. But I bought my other phone and paid it off completely. And I don't know that much on this one, but I'm going to pay it off too. All right. Nonetheless, learn to save rather than spend extra money. When you got that extra money, learn to put it somewhere where you can get some interest off of it. Okay? Um, Learn to invest it. Figure out ways that you can do that. Finally, four simple rules. Okay? Letter A, work. Letter B, tithe. That's God's 10%. Letter C, save. Give yourself 10%. Put it in the bank. And number letter D, spend less than you earn. And that should mean live on the other 80%. Follow those four simple rules and you will find yourself in better and better financial shape on the whole, right? So uh, I'm not going to go into any incredible detail on my personal situation, my personal journey, but I will tell you that I am, uh, you'll see that I won't be driving this truck pretty soon because I'm going to get out of it and I'm going to use that money. I'm going to put it in the bank or I'm going to use it to, to pay down on another vehicle. In fact, if I can find a vehicle that's roadworthy and I can use the money out of this truck to buy it and have no payment, then that's what I'm going to do, right? If not, I'm going to get something that's a good deal and I'm going to use this money and I'm not going to be uh, using a truck that has 13 miles to the gallon. Now, a lot of you in this room, you drive trucks, you need that truck. You work. That's that's your job, okay? So I'm not trying to tell you you shouldn't be driving a truck. Not at all. Not even close, okay? Um, I don't. Like, it's handy. Like, I can haul stuff, put stuff in the back of the truck, and that's great. But basically, it's just me driving the truck all the time. And it's 13 miles to the gallon. Sometimes it's 12 and a half miles to the gallon. So I can figure out a way to do that cheaper, So that's my testimony. You figure out what you're doing with your living situation because I want you to prosper, man. I really do. But it's not magic, right? Notice I didn't spend the entire time saying, give to our church, give to our church, give to our church, and now God's going to make you rich, all right? We have bills to pay, and if this is your church, you should be helping this church to do what it does and to further the kingdom and to keep the lights on and all those sorts of things. And God's going to bless you for that. But I'm not going to promise you that God's going to make you rich over that. But I do say that in accordance with God's word, he's going to make sure you have more than enough to take care of your business, your bills, and also more than enough so that you can be a giver.